idea uh, what had happened and, and still even the doctors don't understand um, uh, any of the real details uh, as far as we know physically and all of these things there's absolutely no reason for uh, what happened yesterday to have happened but uh, that doesn't take away the fact that it did and uh, sometime before they even got to the hospital uh, Mike told me last night before they went to sleep uh, Friday night that uh, they still knew the baby was moving and alive and yet before they got to the hospital uh, when they tried to find the heartbeat in the delivery room there there was none and so uh, what we need to do as a church is uh, we need to pray for them uh, please uh, if you could refrain from calling or visiting and and don't send flowers because they may actually be going down to Maryland uh, as early as tomorrow trying to get the uh, funeral arrangements and all of that. Just, just pray for the Newberger family at this point. It's the greatest thing that we can do. And both of them gave testimony to Joey and I last night as we visited in the hospital room that we know God is in control. We know he's the one that's going, is doing whatever, and we don't have to understand his reasons. We don't have to understand why things happen, but we do need to keep our faith in God. Now, uh, I did not plan this this morning. Uh, we get, uh, uh, through Heartland Baptist Bible College, we've subscribed to a bulletin collection, and so they send them. This just happened to be the next bulletin on top of the box. Uh, I think maybe the Lord had a little bit to do with that. Romans 15, 13 says, Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that ye may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. Now I'll tell you, those are some comforting words. And by the way, joy doesn't always mean that you just have a great big smile on your face. I'll tell you what joy does mean. It means you have peace in your heart. In fact, Brother Mike quoted the verse, and the peace that passeth all understanding. He said the, the way we look at it right now is the peace that doesn't make any sense. He said it makes no sense that we have peace in our hearts, but it's there. That's the goodness of God. Amen. Our theme this summer has been worship. And just about every Sunday morning, we have dealt with one of the various aspects of this. And, and I, I want us to just grab a hold, to uh, sink our teeth into whatever you want, dig your fingers down deep into the truth that worship is not a feeling. Worship is not something that happens to you. Uh, it is not a program that we put on in the church. Worship comes from the depth of your being to God. And it's always in response or because of the relationship that you have built or are building with God. 
We have to understand that worship is something that has to happen in our lives every day. If you can just put worship on Sunday morning, let me tell you, it's not the worship that the Bible is talking about. If you feel like you worship God just because you walk in a building or just because you uh, put on some special music or something, let me tell you, that's not the worship the Bible is talking about. And how many of you are familiar with the story of Job? Just hold your hand up for a minute here, which is the vast majority of us. And we have here Job, who was literally held up as an example to the devil. He said, listen, have you thought about Job? Look at the life he lives. And, and, and the devil there goes back and forth. And finally, uh, God says, okay, I'm going to prove you wrong. But who had to suffer to prove the devil wrong? Uh, Job did, didn't he? Now, did God go down and say, Now, Job, I want you to understand something. I'm trying to prove a point to the devil, and I want you to suffer for it. Just hold on. No, God didn't do that now, did he? In fact, he never did explain anything. And... To take the book of Job and say it was all about God trying to prove a point to the devil is um, like trying to go deep sea fishing in my glass of water here. Uh, I mean, it is beyond the point of shallowness. Can we say that? Anyone who would make that statement is just having no comprehension of what the Word of God is about. God is... God. We worship him because he is. In fact, when he revealed himself to Moses, Moses said, what is your name? He said, I am that I am. You see, when we say uh, the weather is, you're expecting something at the other end of the sentence, aren't you? When we say God is, we can put a period there because we've already said everything needs to be said. That is the essence of worship, my friends. It's not just sitting around and, oh, I feel so good about God. No. There's an awful lot that God wants us to understand. And let's go to the book of Job, chapter 1. Now, Job has just found out that all of his possessions are gone and all of his children are dead and all but four of his servants have been killed in the same calamities that have befallen his possessions and his children. And in verse 20, it says, Then Job arose and rent his mantle, and shaved his head, and fell down upon the ground, in two of the strangest words in all of the Bible, no, they're right where they belong, and worshiped. 
says, Then Job arose and rent his mantle and shaved his head and fell down upon the ground and worshipped and said, Naked came I out of my mother's womb and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all this Job sinned not nor charged God foolishly. An amazing testimony, is it not? Job's response to this great sorrow in his life, the loss of everything that meant anything to him, the Bible says the first thing he did was he rent his mantle. And you can go through the Bible and and uh, uh, follow that ideal through the Bible when sorrow or great distress was expressed. That was often the way to do that. You took that outer garment and you tore that and you would wear that and, and people would understand that you were in great mourning, that you had some great uh, trauma happen to you. Uh, it was a physical thing that people could see very plainly yeah, it was an outward expression of what was going on in the inside. Just as your clothes had been rent, you were saying, that's what's going on in my heart. It's been torn in two. It says, then he shaved his head and he fell upon the ground and then he worshiped God. wish we could just allow those words to burn into our soul. You see, worship is not only something we do when good things happen. Worship is the answer. It's not the question. You get the difference between that? Often we say, what do I do? Here's the answer. Worship. Let me just bring out three points this morning. The first thing about worship, and, and we've nothing new. Of course, if it's new, it's not Bible. If it's Bible, it's not new. Amen. But... The first point about true Bible worship is that it is the surrender of self to God. How many of you have ever tried to ask the question, why? Now let me tell you, the question why gets asked an awful lot around the Montoro household. As my wife and I go through the house, we will find things that just aren't the way they're supposed to be. Why did you do this? Uh, uh, well, uh, well, I don't know. Well, let me tell you something. If you do not know why you left the jar of jelly turned upside down on the kitchen floor, 
you're going to receive double the punishment that you would get otherwise. Now explain yourself. Well, I thought nobody would see it. Or some other childish little story. You know, as a parent, I must ask my children why they did foolish things, not because I am in need of knowledge to figure this thing out. I got a pretty good idea. But what I'm trying to do is help that child understand the fact that this is not acceptable behavior. Amen? Isn't that part of the job of a parent? Okay, why do we treat God that way? You are not his parent. You are not the one in charge. He does not answer to you. He does not answer to me because he is God. We answer to him. We are not to ask him why. Because he does not give an account to us. The first point of true worship. Did you read verse 22 with me? A few more. It says, In all this Job sinned not, nor charged God foolishly. Not once did Job, even in his heart, say, God, why did you do this to me? Because Job understood one thing. He that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is the rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Amen? For without faith it is impossible to please God. If you do not have faith, my friend, you cannot have a relationship with God. I got a phone call late one night many years ago by someone who... Uh, is not attending here anymore long, long time ago. And they were very troubled in their soul and said, I, I just don't understand why God's so mean to me. And I tried to shake the sleep out of my eyes and out of my brain. And uh, Could you repeat that, please? Well... I just, I've just spent my whole life thinking that God is after me and trying to hurt me. I said, well, you got the wrong God. Uh, let me tell you, the devil is after you. And he is trying to hurt you. And the Bible does describe him as the God of this world. But let me tell you something. It's little g, little o, little d. Amen? You cannot be saved and living in a relationship with God and believe that the God of this book called the Bible is out to do you harm. Those are mutually exclusive ideals. How can the God who sent his own son to pay the price of our sins on the cross turn around and do something so opposite as to hurt you for the sake of listening to you cry. 
Let me tell you, that is the God of this world. That is the work of the devil. Job surrendered himself to God. He said, I'm not trying to figure out why, God. I'm not, I'm not in charge here. Now, later on, and we'll get to this, Job's going to change his mind and start asking God why, and then Job's going to get in trouble. And we'll explain part of the reason why that happened, I believe. But the first thing about worship is it is the surrender of self to God. What does the Bible say? In everything give what? Thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. How do you give thanks at a time like this? Only if you can worship God and surrender yourself. It's not about you. It's not about me. I wish we could get me and you out of the picture. Because it's about God. Proverbs 18.2 says, A fool hath no delight in understanding, but that his heart may discover itself. How many times have you been told to follow your heart? Remember, my daughters years ago got this stuff that was, um, oh, it's called American Girl, and they had the little dolls and the little books and the movies, and, and, and they started a little program there. It said, follow your inner star. Let me tell you something. There's nothing inside of you that you ought to be following. If you want to know the truth of that matter, and there was quite a stink that was raised as it should have been, that's wicked speak. How many people know what wicked is? It's witchcraft. And yet Norman Vincent Peale a Christian preacher said, there's a spark of divinity that lies within all of us. That's not Bible. That's Buddhism. The Bible says the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? We live in a world where we are encouraged to actualize ourselves or express ourselves. You, you got to let the real you get, get outside. It's all bottled up. Let me tell you something. I want the real me bottled up as tightly and sealed as close as it can possibly be. Amen. Because I don't want people to know about me. I want people to know about Jesus. The Bible says all we like sheep have what? Gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. Is that not tomorrow's headline? Does that not describe what is going on in American society today? And yet those words were penned nearly a thousand years before Jesus was born. And the last part of that phrase is the essence of what worship is all about. It says, and the Lord hath laid upon him the iniquity. 
of us all. Worship is what Job did. The first thing worship is, if you can look into that passage, is the surrender of self to God. It's not about me. It's not about what I feel. It's about God. But could we give an illustration of this? We have so many different things that go on in our world today. And yet, when we send a sports team on the field, what's the first thing the coach usually tells us? We don't want superstars. We want a team effort. Isn't that true? Don't go out there to make a name for yourself. You play together. When we send anything that is done jointly, we say, stop thinking about yourself. What do our servicemen and women say all the time? Someone asked him, why are you willing to travel halfway around the world and put your life on the line every day? Well, it's not about me. It's about you people back home. Now, they're willing to sacrifice, and I praise God for the sacrifice of every serviceman and woman. And I pray for them, and I hope you do too. But could we understand something? God is not interested in you getting glory. He's interested in him getting glory. And that means we got to get rid of ourselves. That's where worship begins. You cannot be saved until you're willing to get rid of self. Don't deceive yourself. If your relationship with God is all about what you want and what God's going to give you, that's not salvation according to the scriptures. It says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth, what? The Lord Jesus. Lord means master. Jesus means savior. It's just that simple. Every time I quote that verse, I think of a, sermon the man preached he says you can't make Jesus Lord of your life you can't be perfect that's not what it's talking about it's talking about the surrender of self to the Lord Jesus Christ period that's the first step in worship amen could you imagine what Job was going through personally at this point he had lost every physical possession. He had ten children that were killed, and every one of these things, several of them, one fire fell from heaven. A whirlwind came out of the wilderness and, and, and destroyed the home in which his children were in and all of his children with it. I mean, these are what we call acts of God. And yet Job did not charge God foolishly because it was not about what Job was going through. 
and said, God is bigger than my emotion. God is bigger than my sorrow. God is bigger than my loss. If I have to choose between trusting God and anything else, I'm going to trust God. That's where worship starts. But worship does one other thing. Worship makes us recognize God for who he is. Did you read Job's words there in verse 21? He said, Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He said, I was born with nothing. I'm going to die with nothing. Now, don't study the life of Howard Hughes. But does anybody know how much Howard Hughes left when he died on that airplane somewhere between Mexico and the United States in a drug-induced stupor? They said there were enough drugs floating around in, the, in his body to kill 30 men. He had needles that were broken off and left inside his flesh. And no one had done anything but put a band-aid over it. There's not a drug addict in the lowest gutters of this city that died any worse than Howard Hughes died. But do you know how much he left? All of it. He left it all. I think it took him almost 20 years to fight over the money. And the lawyers got most of it. But he left it all. You see, God is the giver of life. Amen? Everything that you have is a gift from God. If we could look at life that way, we would live life differently. Does anybody remember, I believe it was, uh, yes, I get all my queens and kings mixed up, but Elizabeth, Queen of England, the most powerful woman in the world at her time. Does anybody remember her dying words? She said, my kingdom for another moment of life. And then she died. You see, that is the antithesis, the exact opposite of worship. She looked at life as something that she possessed and that was hers, and that if she could only get a little more of it, she would be better off. No, life is a gift from God. And God has given us that gift to be used, not as you see fit, but as he sees fit. Because that is what worship is about. And let me tell you something. The only regrets that I have in my life are where I took that life that God gave me and used it in a way that was contrary to that book. 
And no, you don't have to go do some huge, terrible thing to live contrary to that book. But if, you'll, if we could recognize who God is, that is worship. Most of us, God is this great big shapeless blob that is somewhere beyond the universe. And we know he's in charge of everything and he's big and yes, 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 the Bible says God is good, but you know, I, I've got to, I got to live life today and, and I'll, I'll just do the best I can and hopefully God will bless it. Let me tell you, it doesn't work that way. Just giving mental assent to the fact that God exists is not worship. It is the surrendering of myself to God and it is the recognition of who God is. We've often, I've often given this example and we're just trying to kind of wrap up this series on worship as far, unless the Lord changes my heart and mind, I, I believe this is going to be our last message on this subject for a while. But as you begin to try to figure out who God is and comprehend his goodness, you're going to get a hold of something that's just a little bigger than you. How many of you have tried to lift something really heavy? What happens? It pushes you down. As you transfer that weight from what is holding it up to your person, you are going down. That's why they have spotters in the gyms when they lift all those weights. Because if that barbell comes down in the wrong place, you might not ever get up off that table again. As we comprehend who God is, we are trying to lift something that cannot be lifted by human hands. We are trying to grasp something that cannot be understood by the human mind. That's where the so much false doctrine has come from. That's what the purpose-driven life and the purpose-driven church books are all about. It's making God so small that you can handle him. That's why we reject those books and the philosophies that are in them, because it's not Bible. That's why we do not embrace the new music of our day. Because never in history can sinful man go into a sinful world and take sinful music and rewrite some nice words to it and make it acceptable to God. And by the way, a lot of the old songs aren't that good either. But how many of you like the song our lady sang today? Wasn't that a blessing? God is still holy. That's who God is. That's part of what our worship has to be, is understanding who God is. He is the giver of life. Everything I possess is a gift from him. If he chooses to take it from me, I'm still going to believe in him because it's not about me. It's about him. Shipping off three kids in two weeks to college. 
I'm going to miss Andrew. There's not going to be anybody to blame all my mistakes on anymore. Stephen's not old enough, but we're working on that. But I want my children to grow into the person that God wants them to be. And if that is in Zimbabwe, that's where I want them. I want them to serve God where he has them because they're not my children. They're a gift from God. They're the heritage. They're the inheritance of the Lord. You better be careful with what belongs to God. You pretend it belongs to you and you destroy worship in your life. By the way, at this point in Job's life, right here as we find him at the end of Job chapter 1, Job is safe, is he not? It says, in all this Job sin not, nor charge God foolishly. I want to challenge you today that worship, Bible worship protects you. Number one, it protects you from your own heart. My heart tells me things that are wrong all the time. How about yours? Hmm? But when I worship God, guess what I'm doing? I am crushing the desires in my heart and replacing them with what God's desires are. Could I quote to you one of the most misquoted verses in the Bible? Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. You see, when I get rid of my desires and replace my desires with his desires, that opens the door for God to bless me in ways that are just beyond my imagination. That's worship, is it not? How many of you have read the book of Job from chapter 1 to chapter 42? I mean, it's a lot of heavy reading in the book of Job. The devil shows up for the first two chapters. And then he's out of here. Uh, when Job worshipped God, who wasn't bothering Job? The, the devil wasn't. How many of you would like protection from the devil? I mean, I, I want protection from the devil. How about you? I'm not trying to be smart or, or trite in any way. I'm trying to be honest, man. That, that's a scary thing. The Bible says he is as a roaring lion walking about seeking whom he may devour. How many of you know what the next verse says? Whom resist steadfast how? Oh, 
with the sword of the spirit. Here we go. <laughs> no. Don't play games with the devil. You're going to lose every time. It says, whom resists steadfast in the faith? Does that sound like worship to you? It sure does to me. If I want protection from the devil, I worship God. And let me tell you something, the devil isn't sticking around for that. He's getting out of there. It protects you from your own heart. It protects you from the devil himself. But let me tell you what else worship will do. Worship will protect you from others. That's what happened to Job, now wasn't it? It was his friends. How many of you have ever heard the phrase, with friends like this, who needs enemies? Uh, that comes from the book of Job, it really does. Job's friends tried to help him. And what they did was they helped him away from his worship and put Job in a place where Job got in trouble with the Lord. Friends are wonderful things. But don't let your friends sever your worship with God. Get the kind of friends that will help you worship God. Now, this is one of my pet peeves. I, I love to spend time on this. Does that sound like what the church ought to be doing right there? See, the church doesn't give you salvation. The church can't take it away. Because Jesus was the one that died on the cross. Amen? In fact, the church is basically non-topical for the unsaved person. Church is for after you get saved. Because you can't be part of the body of Christ until you've already been born into his family. Amen? And when we come together as a church and we encourage each other to worship, guess what we do? We protect one another. From our own hearts, from the devil, and from other people who will detract you. I wish I had a dollar for every time someone said, Pastor, you don't understand my friends. When I'm with my friends, I, I can't do right. And I say, you don't understand, those aren't friends. Because a friend cares about a friend. Amen? A real friend will help you closer to Jesus. And if your friend isn't helping you closer to Jesus, they're not your friend. Right now, the Newberger family needs some friends. Amen? Let me ask you a question. Is prayer part of our worship? 
Now, I want to challenge you to do something this week. I want our church to ask God to let us pray in such a way that we don't have to tell the Newberger family we're praying for them, that they know it. Does that sound like worship to you? It, it sounds like worship to me. And let me tell you something. They need our prayers. They need that kind of prayer. Sometimes God allows things like this to shake us up a little bit so that we'll start doing the things that we ought to have been doing all along. Amen? We need to pray. But let me tell you, if you're not living right, God's not going to hear your prayers. If you're not serving God with your life, do you think God's wanting to answer those prayers? Now, let me tell you. You've got to develop that worship with God so that you can pray in such a way that God will answer your prayers. He doesn't need your prayers to get something done, but he wants to use them. Offer the kind of prayers that God can use. Amen? Do you believe that today? I praise God that we're filling up this center section. Now, there's still a lot of spaces. But I'd like to see some overflow in the sides, too. How many of you would like to see that? Well, could I ask you, do you think if we really got this worship thing straightened out, God might bring some more people in? I, I think he would. I, I believe the key to serving God is not what you can do for God. It's what you can get right in your heart with God so God can do something with you. That's how you got saved, wasn't it? That's how you're going to live for him. It's just that simple. The question is, what are you going to do with your worship? Are you going to surrender yourself? Are you going to recognize God for who he is? And are you going to allow worship to protect you? Then no better place to be than where Job was in Job chapter 1. And by the way, when we get to chapter 42, Job's back at the same place. Amen? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning. And Lord... We can be so thankful to you for what went on in the life of Job and all of his suffering. It is just so far beyond anything we can imagine. And yet, you give him as an example to us that a human being can worship you in any situation. Lord, 
Our first prayer is for those that are here today that may not know you as their Savior. Lord, the greatest single act of worship any human being can commit is when they surrender their life and their future and their hopes and everything they are to the Savior that died for them on the cross. Lord, we pray that today would be the day of salvation in the life of each one here that does not know you as their Savior. Lord, we also pray for those that are struggling with sin, with deception, with self, with the world. That they would understand that by truly and biblically worshiping you, things would change. Lord, we ask that you would do your work in each heart and life, that you may be honored and glorified. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's stand together.